You're listening to a fresh episode of Dubs Talk with Monty Poole and Kareth Burke. Dubs Talk brought to you by Wendy's. Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bike bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot juicy beef, all perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper. At participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time, we should also let you know that all Warriors games on NBC Sports Bay Area are streamed live on the My Teams app for mobile or tablet. Stream the Warriors on the go, brought to you by your NorCal Honda dealers. All right, Monty and I are doing this podcast right after the Warriors got a double-digit win over the Celtics at Chase Center. The Celtics came in with the league's best record, 21-5 and at the time. But there was also this undercurrent that this was a championship rematch. Sure, it was a regular season game, but you know the Celtics were mad. Some of the feelings were raw that the Warriors won the championship at TD Garden on their court and they had to listen to the Warriors celebrating, popping champagne while they were mourning in their own locker room. So maybe some feelings carrying over in this game. The Warriors defense came through. They did a great job in this game. And Monty, as the team gets ready today, in fact, to leave for a six game road trip, what are the takeaways from this Celtics game? The good things that the Warriors can roll into this trip as they try to establish maybe a, a better part of their season. Well, it, it begins with defense. You know, I mean, Steve Kerr has been pleading for defense all season long. You know, our offense has been, our starting five has been really good on offense and we've had some good defensive moments. The second unit has had some defensive issues. We as a team have had some defensive issues. Um, but tonight you could tell the, the game meant something to the Warriors too. You know, they want to make a statement. They had come off two ugly losses. They lost to the Pacers at home and the Pacers were without, you know, their top two players. Mm -hmm. Then they go to Utah and they lose a game in the final 13 seconds. And it's like, okay, I think they played with an edge, a certain, like I said, a certain disposition, you know, Uh, (laughs) they weren't going to be out hustled, outworked. They made some mistakes, but defensively, I mean, Clay Thompson set a tone. Clay, when he pinned that uh, shot by Jason Tatum to the backboard in the second minute of the game, yeah. Like, oh, okay. Clay's on. Let's be, face, let's be honest here. We have wondered. We, the basketball watching public, Warriors fans have wondered: Can Clay get back to playing defense at the level he had played before he had the ACL and the Achilles tendon tear? Tonight, you saw it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there have been times when you didn't really see it. And and maybe he still can't do it against the smaller guys, guys like John Morant and those guys, but who can? But Jason Tatum came into this game averaging 30.5 points a game. And he was Clay's primary assignment. He shot six of 21, <laughs> 28%. Yep. <laughs> you know? yep. And Clay was the main guy on him. Probably 80% of the time it was Clay. I mean, Draymond was there a few times. Jake Kaminga was there a few times. But it was Clay's job. And that to me says, okay, he, he scored 18 points, Tatum did. Clay scored 34. Um, but Clay, we know he can score. But mm-hmm. Clay's defense and the team kind of fed off that. When the Warriors defend, they have a chance to beat anybody. And they haven't done much of that this season, which is why they were 13 and 13. They're going on a six, six game road trip now. If they can defend like that on the road, then they will win some road games. Yeah. And it's so important that Clay played the way he did, especially with Andrew Wiggins out right now. Exactly. We don't know how, yeah. 
We don't know how long he's going to be out. You know, the right adductors. Uh, we don't know whether that's going to be another three or four days, another week, two. We don't know yet. It's indefinite. So if you're a Warriors fan, if you're Steve Kerr, you got to be thinking, man, Clay came through his big time for us tonight. Um, we didn't have wigs, and we were facing J Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum did not hurt us yeah. because Clay was on it. This was Clay's opportunity to have a bounce back after his his lapse at, at the end of oh, the yeah. game. And without Wiggins, who really pestered Jason Tatum during the finals, I mean, Jason Tatum is is in the MVP conversation. He is Very a much. force. So for Clay Thompson to take that job to really make Tatum uncomfortable this whole game, six of twenty one. You mentioned he finished with eighteen points, which is off his average of thirty point five. But then for Clay on the other side of the ball to be the Warriors' leading scorer. This was a hot Clay Thompson two-way game, which I don't know that we've seen him put together all of it this season yet, and I feel happy for Clay. Hasn't had it. It hasn't happened. You know, it hasn't happened because the defense has been hit and miss. But tonight, you know, and Clay, there's no doubt Clay came into this game with a chip on his shoulder. Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. and he talked about it after the game. You know, and so uh, he had something he wanted to prove. And I don't know if Clay knew he could defend that well against a guy like Tatum. I don't know that he knew that. But, you know, there he was after the game, you know, making his paper airplanes and kind of breezing <laughs> through his press conference because he was satisfied with himself, especially after what happened three nights earlier. He was, I think Wednesday night was not good for Clay. Neither was Thursday and neither was Friday. But Saturday night, I think, going to be pretty good for Clay. <laughs> there you go. All right, so the Warriors get to take the momentum from a really big win on the road where they only have two wins this season. This is a tough road trip. It amounts to six games in nine games, nine days rather, and it features two back-to-backs. Now we saw some of the horror of their previous long road trip where they went 0 for 5, but if the Warriors want to show that they're a different team, and, and I think they, they have made a lot of progress, what are you looking for in this road trip that indicates, you know, maybe the Warriors can move up a few spots in the Western Conference standings? I, you know, like I said, it begins with defense. I mean, I think the, the Warriors are going to be able to score against most teams because even without Wiggins, they're going to be able to score against most teams. But they're going to see Milwaukee very – that's the very first game out of the shoot. Ooh. And Milwaukee's defense is the best defense in the league. I mean, Boston's defense is good. Milwaukee's is better. Mm. Uh, they're long and they're athletic. And so um, I think that's a great game to go into after Boston is going to Milwaukee and see where you are. Boston was a measuring game, measuring stick game. Okay, this is how good we can be. Milwaukee is a game where you can see how good you can be on the road where you've lost 11 of 13 games. And so if they can win, if they can win three of these six games, I think that's that's a good sign. Four is a great sign. Five may be asking too much, but five would be like, that would be a remarkably wonderful road trip if they went go five and one against these teams. Because yeah. you got, you said back to backs. And you've got not just Milwaukee, but you've got the Nets who are starting to play better. And you got the Knicks in New York. You got Philadelphia. I mean, so you've got some tough teams that you're going to be facing. This is not going to Orlando and Charlotte and Detroit. Yeah. Where they've already lost. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I think if if they defend with a purpose and with intensity, uh, I think they can be in any one of these games. And then of course in the fourth quarter don't give it back to the other team. I mean, they gave some back to the Celtics. You know, they gave them 20 points off turnovers. And on the road, that can kill you. 
Yeah, the margins are a lot smaller on the road. Okay, great to break down that Celtics game. Hey, we have something special in this podcast. It's a one-on-one exclusive conversation with Jordan Poole. But before we get to that, I feel like I want to address some news with Anthony Lamb. Um, Some sexual assault allegations that he faced in college are back. Um, I took a moment to write down some things. I just needed to collect my thoughts. Um, So let's start with kind of why this news is popping up again. Three women have joined in a civil suit to claim that the University of Vermont mishandled investigations into their respective sexual assaults. One of the women said Anthony Lamb raped her. Lamb is not a defendant in the suit. Okay, he's not on trial, the university is. So why does his name appear in the suit? The woman describes what she says Anthony did to her, what she told the university about his actions, and how she believes they screwed up the investigation. Lamb has not been charged with a crime. The Warriors knew about Lamb's sexual assault allegations when they signed him, because remember, Bob Meyer said back in October, they did their due diligence investigating the claims. And if the NBA offices were to warn them not to sign Lamb, they would have listened. In light of this civil suit popping up, Lamb had this statement, quote, the allegations made against me in 2019 that have recently resurfaced are patently false. I have always been fully cooperative excuse me, fully cooperative regarding the alleged incident and have welcomed any investigation into the matter. Simply put, I have never committed sexual assault. It's fair to share with you Lamb's statement. This is his reputation. What's also fair in conversations about sexual assault is adding the context that fake rape accusations are a rare occurrence. Looking at statistics from a Brown University info page called Myths About Sexual Assault Reports, the info states, quote, in rigorous research, rates of false reports are consistently very low, ranging from 2 to 10%. And I just want to wrap this up on a personal note. Working for NBC Sports Bay Area is my fifth job. So no matter what city I've been in, no matter what professional sports leagues I'm covering, I feel like there's one cold truth about sports, that the only things that matter are wins and money. No matter what kind of culture a team thinks it has, no matter how seriously they take these issues, no matter how much due diligence they conduct, the only thing that matter are wins and money. And Monty, I know that you wrote about these allegations popping up again for Anthony Lamb. Uh, Is there anything that you would like to add? Well, I just think if, if you're the Warriors, you know, you, you, there's a certain principle that you want to stand up for. That's a certain image you wish to maintain. Well, you, they've cultivated this image. You know, they do a lot, a lot of great things in the community. They've had a lot of goodwill. They reach out to a lot of groups that have been marginalized. They do all this wonderful work in the community. And, but you still have to ask yourself, you know, how do we maintain this image? And I'm sure they are asking themselves now, okay, is this something we want to continue? You know, because it doesn't seem like this is going to go away in the next day or two, you know? So if you're the words, you got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I know he's in the rotation, but that should not be a factor if in fact, you know, this really happened. And so he is denying it. And, you know, he has a right to be, an, to be employed. I, I understand all of that. But yeah, there could come a time when the Warriors ask themselves, okay, 
you know, even if this didn't happen, do we need this? Do we need to be associated with a guy who is dealing with this? And I think that's where they, they are right now. And I, that's why I think, you know, that's, that could come a time when they say, you know what, you know, did happen. She said, he said, he, maybe it's just best for us to just like step away and move on. Now, they're not there as of the time we, you know, discussed this, but uh, they care about their image. They care about their image. And there are fans right now. I don't know. I can't give you a percentage, but I know there are fans out there right now going, hmm. Is this something they should be doing? And so they are they are aware of that and they are very aware what it means. And so again, they're image conscious. And so we'll see what they what they what they do about it, if anything. All right. Uh, and now we make the incredibly awkward transition <laughs> to a really great Jordan Poole interview. I got to talk to him for about 40 minutes interrupted. He was just so thoughtful. We talked about his contract extension. We talked about his friendship with Andrew Wiggins. Um, he mentioned some stories from Kavon Looney in Milwaukee. And then we had a really fun back and forth with like a, a would you rather. So some mm -hmm. rapid fire questions. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff, um, I think. But you take a listen. Here is Jordan Poole. Your winning career starts at Grayton Resort and Casino. Join a great team today with amazing health benefits, working in a fun and fast-paced environment. Now hiring table game dealers, chefs, beverage servers, housekeeping, and more. Full-time and part-time positions are available. Come for the excitement. Stay for the great pay, flexible scheduling, and 401k matching. Apply now and start your winning career today. Visit GreatResortCasino.com for details is uncertain. It's okay to feel stressed, anxious, worried, or frustrated. CalHOPE can help. Access CalHOPE's free and secure mental health resources. Call 833-317-4673 or live chat at calhope.org. It feels great to have a one-on-one -on -one chat with Jordan Poole. And Jordan, if you could help set the table for our listeners right now, where are you? Where, where are you doing this podcast from? Um, we just landed in Utah, have a game against um, the Jazz tomorrow night. Um, not too long ago, did we just touch down? So, yeah, here we are. Yeah, uh, you guys just played your 25th game of the season. How are you feeling about the way the season has started? Um, it's cool just being able to kind of gain the chemistry with the new players, new teammates. Um, coming off of a long season last year. Uh, like the challenges of having a new team and figuring that out and uh, feel like we've been getting into a rhythm over these past like 10 games or so. So uh, it's been it's been cool. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons the season was so long is because you guys won a championship and then you got to roll that into what looked like a really awesome championship summer. Just a, a quick scan of Instagram showed you went to London and Paris and Milan, maybe a Greece trip in there as well. Um, what do you enjoy about seeing the world? Um, just the curiosity that I get from like not knowing about different cultures. Um, a lot of people tell me like if they were younger or if they could change anything, they try to travel the world at a younger age. And luckily, we had some time off. Um, and the circumstances kind of you know were set up for me to finally kind of go across the water and just, you know, explore the world a little bit in different um, views, different like sites, uh, different food, different music, different people, different style, different fashion, everything's just different. So just kind of having a 
open mind and curiosity of just exploring, you know, different parts of the world was um, always something that was uh, interesting to me, and I'm glad I was able to do it. Okay, so where would you like to go next? Um, New Zealand. New Zealand's up there. That's probably one of the places that I want to cross off my bucket list, but um, definitely going back to Europe, but New Zealand for sure. Did you bring a camera with you? Um, my own personal camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Like I have one. I don't use it all the time. Um, I'm with Jordan almost all the time, so he is. He has his camera twenty four seven. Um, but um, my own personal camera. I'll use my phone or have like a like a Polaroid. That I'll take so I'll get like a couple like still shots or something. But uh. I don't know. I just know that there are always cameras accessible <laughs> if you need them. Yeah. The other Jordan, just for our listeners, is J squared. It's Jordan Jimenez. He's become a really good friend of yours. Like, what is it like knowing you're not traveling the world alone? You have people that you really care about with you. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, just because, like I said, we were able to, we were able to start at such a young age. And um, when I get to bring my friends and like my family and um, allow them to enjoy these experiences with me, you know, and, um, like having having J squared go to London and go to Paris and you know just kind of give him some time off as well and yeah. explore the world because <clears throat> we just work and we grind all season long so um, just being able to have them with us and uh, with me personally is that's cool it's just like a really good friendship and um, those are the right people to have over there. Mm-hmm. Knowing that photography is. Um, uh something that you enjoy. I don't know why I couldn't think of the words. A hobby of yours is the word I was looking for, a hobby. All right, let me let me ask you to go back in history, okay? Great moments in sports history. Mm. Is there one that you wish you could have witnessed with your camera as a photographer? That's a great question. Mm, I don't know if there's anything off the top of my head. I have a couple, but let me think about it. I'll come back. I'll come back to you and answer. Okay, I'd love to. I'd really like to get your take on that. Yeah, come back. Come back. All right. Own. Actually, have you heard of a sports photographer named Neil Leifer? Uh, I don't think so. So, have you seen? There's this iconic photograph of Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston. It's the one where Muhammad yeah. Ali's like this. That's mm-hmm. Neil Leifer. He does a mm-hmm. lot of um, boxing stuff, like just legendary stuff. I was wondering if you had heard of him. I thought you might like him. Neil yeah, Leifer. I might, have, I might have to type in. Yeah, I might have to check. Yeah. Do my homework. Yeah, Neil Leifer. All right, we're winding back to the the championship celebration. One of my favorite things to come out of that was the locker room video. It was you and Wiggs. It's you about to get a bag. You about to get a bag. We about to get a bag. Yeah. In that moment, why was it so easy for you to be happy for Andrew? Um, that's just my guy. It's my dog, you know, and um. He came this season, what was it the the 72 game season, I think, was the year that we traded for him. So it was my second year. And um, it was like a regular season, but like I just saw how comfortable he was becoming a part of like our team and our culture. Um, and then we just kind of, you know, share a really good bond. And then over the course of the season, we just got closer. Um, we're in the gym together, like we're hanging out together. And, um, just to see how 
like the one thing that you could knock him for possibly, even though you shouldn't be, was that he didn't have a ring and he has one. Like um, he was in Minnesota for so many years and, you know, he got to carry that load and it was good. It was cool to see personally for me to see how he can come over to our team, take a little bit of the load off his shoulders. Like and he can be himself, like he can open up, he can be his own personality. Um, and then he can go out there, he can perform at the highest level. And um, just to kind of, you know, set all the naysayers up was, it was dope for me to see outside in for him. And um, it was cool to see him lock in on that deal and to know that he wants to be here for the next four years. Yeah. And why is it so easy for you to, to vibe together just on an individual level? Um, I think we're just so like laid back or chill. We love the game. Um, like we don't like to do too much. We kind of like, you know, stay in our own lane, stay out of the way. Um, we're curious. We love having like conversations and listening to music and just chopping it up. But there are some things that are just extremely natural and uh, you kind of have a feel for it. And as soon as Wicks kind of came over and, um, I saw how he maneuvered, like he was just to himself for the first couple of months, you know, he was kind of feeling everybody out, um, but he's only two lockers away from me. So uh, we just started chopping it up and the rest was history. Yeah. I think it was tough for him when he first came because COVID shortened that season. I want to say mm-hmm. he only had 12 games with Golden State. It was like 11 or 12 that first year. And yeah. then he kind of heads into the off season and he had mm-hmm. never played with Steph really. He had never played with Clay until Clay came back. Uh, last season so just a, a unique situation for Andrew but he's it seems yeah. like he's done really well Thanks. yeah yeah all right um Andrew at the time of this podcast is shooting 45 percent from three like a blistering rate um he says yeah. he wants to stay above that 40 mark uh which is still really good what have you observed about Andrew Wiggins as a three-point shooter um I mean, I've seen the behind the scenes and the work that he's put in in order to become a really high-level shooter. Um, it's good to see that he's around so many good shooters because um, he can learn and he can ask and he can add to his game. Um, and just and just seeing how versatile he is, you know, like we know that he has a post game. We know he's a good one-on-one player. We know he's an amazing defender. We know he is extremely athletic. Um, so now him just casually learning how to become an elite three-point shooter and uh, helping space the floor for our team is just tremendous. And this isn't his first time doing it. He was doing it at the beginning of the last season, mainly for our entire season last year. So um, it's cool just to see, like, how his hard work is paying off and um, he's just adding to his game. Yeah. Both of you guys, I believe you signed your extensions on the same day. Mm. So, yeah. Rewind back to that moment for you personally. Like, honestly, the moment that you got to put the pen to the paper. I know it's yeah. a really simple question, but what are you thinking in that moment? Um, there were so many thoughts that were going through my head. I actually just wanted to try and sign the paper as fast as I could. As long as I can get that pen to the paper and get it over with, like, the job's done, right? But um, it was just an, an amazing feeling. Like, I couldn't stop smiling. You just think about all of the, you know, six-hour AAU car rides, the 4 a.m. practices or, um, you know, leaving your jersey in the hotel room. Just all of the small things that happen throughout the entire course of your life as a basketball player, you know, in high school and middle school, AAU, college. Um, and everything paid off, you know, all the hard work, all the sweat tears um, went to such an amazing moment. And it was also really special to have done it after we won a championship, too, you know, at the highest level, which... 
um, even made that more special. So it was a, an amazing moment, um, something that you can't really explain in like full depth, if that makes sense. But it was just, it was just awesome. It was, um, it was, it was special, special yeah. moment. It feels life changing hearing you describe it. Uh, who was your first Definitely. phone call after you signed? Uh, oh, no, probably with my parents. I don't yeah. know. I forgot. I was yeah. too busy worried about signing the paper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so go back to those long car rides, the AAU. That you know, at at what age did you really feel like basketball wasn't just a dream? It could honestly be your career. I don't know. I've always loved to play basketball. It was always fun. I, I was played other sports, football, baseball growing up. <clears throat> um, high school, my freshman year is when I really solely focused directly on basketball. So I stopped all the other sports. I, I knew like it probably was the sport that I had the best chance in. Um, and I just kind of went all in after that. Like I didn't know if I would make it to the league. I didn't know if I wouldn't. I didn't know if I would make it to college. I didn't know if I would. I just knew that. Like, this is something that I, you know, care enough about to put my time and effort in. Um, I just kind of buckled down and locked in and dedicated a lot of my free time and, um, you know, to the game and being in the gym. And everything kind of just panned out for itself, you know, slowly but surely, like, you get offers and then you get a college scholarship and then you find a school that you want to go to and then you go there and you have to reset and do it all over again. And um, the process was, was fun. It was um, you learn so much, you know, just not about basketball, but like who you are, the people around you. Um, and I don't know, maybe like senior year, junior year, I probably knew like, all right, I really got a chance to go into the NBA. Um, Cause I was around other high level guys too. Like Jaron Jackson was on my senior team. Yeah. Um, Brian Bowen, Tiger Campbell was like, these are some like elite players. And at some point you feel like you belong. So I think that's when it was and kind of ran with that. And um here we are. Yeah. How did that sense of, wow, this could really be something for me, you know, that kind of feeling dawning on you in high school, how did that inform where you went to college? Uh, what do you mean? Like if you had offers from different colleges, how did you decide on Michigan? Hmm. Yeah. Um, at the time it was like, a, it was a, the system, the offense that they ran was like more for shooters, uh, for like scores and stuff. It was close to home. Um, an amazing, prestigious academic institution, uh, which really sold my parents. Um, being closer to home, too, like I think it was a five-hour drive, like if they needed to come up or if they wanted to see games. And it was in the Big Ten, so they could kind of catch all the games around in the area. Minnesota, um, Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, so it was just uh, – it was like a team effort decision, family-oriented decision, and um, it was the right one. Yeah, yeah. Can you remind me, what did you study in college? Um, I was undecided my first few years. I was big into, like, a lot of the English classes. I took a lot of the English writing classes. Yeah. Um, I was going towards, the, like, the journalism side of things, but the league called my name, so <laughs> I had, uh, had other duties. <laughs> well, hey, I remember when you had the mini mic in Tokyo. So if you ever want a career as a journalist, I think you have one. Right. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get to the bottom of the question, why was there a meerkat at a hedgehog cafe? Oh, no. <laughs> to be honest, the meerkat was too cute for me to even care about the answer. Like, I was so, so caught off guard and surprised that you just kind of got a run with that one. 
Was it strange with training camp having like a few days with the team and then there's this, this this big Tokyo trip and then you're back in training camp? What do you think about the way the season started for you guys? Um, It was different, um, but it's something that you have to appreciate, you know, like being able to go and fly across the world to, you know, play basketball in Europe. What we were, so a select few teams, you know, they get to do that every year and, um, Honestly, I never ever like considered going to Japan, so it was just a blessing to be able to um, go do what we love and see new things and learn, you know, more about the culture, kind of like how it was this summer, and um, also play basketball, you know, with our team and um, in front of amazing fans uh, across the world who have such an amazing appreciation for basketball. It was just a really amazing opportunity, and it was special, and it's. Um, Definitely something I'll remember forever. What did you enjoy about seeing the way that the fans in Tokyo kind of enjoyed the game or how they reacted to you guys or how they were really quiet during portions of the games and then like yeah. claps? Like, what do you take away from, you know, seeing it through their eyes? Yeah, I went to go see, um, I went to go see Nico Mannion play against Giannis this summer. I think it was a, uh, where they play. They played in Italy, and to see that, to see how the crowd is in the arenas that we play in, and then to see how the crowd is when we were in Japan, that was really special. Just to see like how different the, um, like how everybody cheers. I don't know if that makes sense, but like um, for a prime example, like in Chase, you kind of feel. Like you, you'll feel the anticipation building up, like with our fans and the energy in the arena. Like somebody will make a shot, somebody will do a move, and it'll like you know, like you kind of just feel it. And after a while, like you're waiting for that moment for it to erupt, right? When we were overseas and we went to go see Nico play against Giannis, it was like they were just loud the entire time. Like it was just noise. It was just noise the entire game, right? There was no high, there was no low. It It was just strictly noise. And then when we went to go play in Japan. Um, they're extremely quiet during the free throws, but like almost everything is um, it's like respectful, you know, like like it builds up just a little bit. Everybody will clap. You'll hear, hear a couple like oohs, ahs, like wow. And then it'll like mellow out and then it'll score again and it'll come up just a little bit and then like it'll mellow out. So just kind of being able to play in different arenas and um, play in front of different fans and just hear the cadences of how they cheer was, uh, was special. Yeah, I remember when I was in Tokyo, I like to do some jersey spotting. Like anytime I'm traveling, in fact, I saw an Andre Iguodala jersey in Tokyo. I saw a Sean Kemp. I think I saw Del Curry's um, Charlotte jersey. Um, when you travel the world, did you do any jersey spotting? Have you have you seen your own maybe? Uh, yeah, um, I didn't think that, that when we went to Europe, I thought it would, it would be more chill. Like they don't know me or anything over here. Like, um, you know, we're, you know, just, Let's just get away, just be normal people, you know, like we already are. But um, I'll come across a couple of jerseys, like like walking out in public, you, I saw one, which was really special. It was weird. It was kind of crazy. But uh, people were like, we're showing pictures and like, yeah, like we're huge Golden State fans. Like, we're huge Warriors fans. Like Steph, so a lot of Steph jerseys, um, a lot of Kobe jerseys. Mm-hmm. What else did I see? Braun jerseys. Um, like I'm seeing like, you know, casual, like, you know, 
I don't even know how to really explain it. Yes, I saw a lot of jerseys and they were yes. awesome and big fan. <laughs> yeah. well, hold on. You did see somebody wearing your jersey. Yeah, once. It was one time. He put Where? well he put a he pulled a picture out and he showed me. Yeah, we were in Paris. Okay. We were in Paris. He put up we had a court. He was like, Yeah, big fan. Yeah. He and he showed me on his phone. I was like, You got the jersey? That's awesome, bro. Like it was it was it was too it was uh it was almost overwhelming. Man, I've seen some Draymond jerseys, Kobe definitely, Embiid. Um, when mm. I'm, I, I visited France a couple of times, I've seen some Embiid. I just like the ones that come out of come out of nowhere, kind of like yeah. I want to see. I want to see a Looney jersey somewhere. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be. yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Those are the those are the ones. Those are like, oh, you're your true fan for sure. Yeah, this actually reminds me because you and Loon are both from Milwaukee. He was a few years ahead of you in school. But just being from the same area and kind of hooping in the same circles, do you have a Kavan Looney kind of back in the day story you could share with us about how big he was in Milwaukee? Yeah, I think one story that I talked about already was the one where uh, we played them for city conference my first year, and he had to break like um he had like he's averaging maybe like thirty five or thirty six, and he had to score 10 points to break like the all-time city record, all-time state record, something like that. And um, we had like a pretty, our coach is pretty famous. Um, both of our coaches, well, one of his older coaches was, but the coach that I was playing for at the time was a pretty like, you know, prestigious coach in, in the area. And um, What's his name? Jim Goss is his name. His name is Jim Goss, G-O-S-Z. And um, we're scouting all week. <laughs> we're scouting all week for practice and you know we're figuring out like how we're going to guard them you know what we're going to do and um i think we play on like a friday and the the paper comes out friday morning like yeah <laughs> i think our coach said something like yeah he's not going to score 10 points on us or something like that like we knew it was just outrageous but, you know, he's definitely going to score more than 10 but it's just you know it's just kind of the game that we play and um that's just the kind of like the coach that he is but well, I think he might have scored 10 points in, like, the first five minutes or something like that. But okay. um, just to see, like, his magnitude and, like, the mayor was there. It was packed out. And, um, it was a city conference game. So, it was, like, for the championship, the championship was on the line. So, just the entire magnitude and situation of the game. That's my first experience playing against him was, like, it was pretty fitting, you know, just to see that now he was um, kind of like the trailblazer who led um, so many people and, you know, gave so many people hope and a chance to go to the NBA from the city. It was, uh, it was huge. Yeah, you said Loon was averaging like 35 or 36. Something like, it felt like, it, I don't know, you might have to fact check me, but it felt like 35 <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, we know he can play around the room. We know he could score. Could I would lose my mind if I saw Looney score 30 in a game with Golden State, if he got to have that. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah He's a different player now. <laughs> he, was, he was a different player back then. He, he did everything. He yeah. did everything. Do you want him to shoot more threes? Listen, I have seen Loon. The Loon that I know is is point guard Loon. He's bringing up the ball, left to right cross, right to right cross, heavy pull up. Like, this is the Kavan I see. This is the Kavan that's in the back of my mind. So when I'm coming off of a ball screen and there's three seconds left and I don't have a shot, I want to see Loon get into his bag because I know it's there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's there. So um, I always call him, like, Milwaukee Loon, or he'll do, like, uh, I don't know. It's just special to see him play because, like, he's really a guard. Yeah. Like, it might sound crazy, but, like, he's really – he grew up playing guard. And to see him hit his his spins, you know, and, like, his pump fakes and underneath the basket, that's why he's such a good finisher. 
You know, like a lot of people don't know that. Like he's such a good finisher because he's essentially a guard. So um, it's just really cool to have such an appreciation for him. That's definitely big, bro. And we got some breaking news here. Kavon Looney is actually a guard. I'm I'm visualizing this in my mind. Next time you uh, put the lineup up there, put a G. Put it. <laughs> what do you think about his Iron Man streak? Impressive. Yeah. Extremely impressive, and um, it's just a testament to who he is. He's just a tough guy, tough character. Um, that's how it is. Like when we come from home, like you can go out there, you can play, you can give your t- a team a chance to win. Um, and you can, and you will, he does. Uh, and seeing him go out there, and his job's not easy. His job's not easy. He's not running around. People aren't touching him. He's setting screens. He's in the post. He's with, you know, some of the most physical human beings in the world right now, just battling night after night. He's been doing it for years. So um, if there's, I don't think there's anybody tougher than him in the league. Yeah. Well, that's nice to hear. Um, all right, I know I'm kind of jumping around all over the place. We talked about your championship no, no, summer. Good. No, we talked about your championship summer. We talked about your extension. So you're coming into training camp. What are you thinking about heading into this season and maybe some of the individual things you'd like to accomplish? Honestly, after winning a championship and playing in the playoffs, like that's that's really what I want to get back to. Like I've heard a couple guys say it, especially my first couple years in the league earlier in the year, they were like, yeah, like after playing in the playoffs or after playing in the finals, like that's high level basketball. Like that's really what you want to get back to. At the time, I didn't know. At the time, I didn't know what that meant. Like we were like a below five hundred team, and then like barely five hundred team my second year. So my third year, just going through that entire run, the entire gauntlet, going through the playoffs, seeing this team for potentially seven games, um, walking in on the scouting report, like people's crowds and other arenas' crowds are invested and really into the game. That's really, honestly, what I'm looking forward to getting back to. And we have a really good group who can go win a championship again. And uh, now we know what it takes. And now we can kind of, you know, teach the younger guys and give them insight on what to help us, you know, win a championship. And um, I don't know. It's just like a, it's what you play basketball for. You mm-hmm. know, we did at the highest level. And it's kind of like a, an addiction you want to get back to. Mm-hmm. Going back to the championship, you guys had to come back to not things twice. So the Celtics won the first game. You guys won game two. Celtics won game three, but then the Warriors won the next, like the three straight to win the championship. What was that like, like the emotional roller coasters of, of being down twice, but then locking it up with three straight wins? Personally or as a team? Both. Luckily, as a team, we have we had guys who had been there before and who'd had, who had played um, like with the most pressure on the line, you know, like have been through it multiple times. So just to see their composure, um, to see like how their experience worked, like, Oh, we're fine. Like, you know, we just need to clean up on these things. Like we need to focus on ourselves, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's come out with some fight. Let's win the game. That's, you know, like, it's good just to see how they kept the morale. Like, you can tell that the experience was there. No one was panicking. No one was flipping out. No one was, you know, stressed out. Like, the emotional roller coaster wasn't, like, a big deal in our locker room because we had guys that had been there before. And that playoff experience was definitely huge. For me personally, me and my me and my, uh, my brother play a lot of, like, 2K. We do 2K series, game of seven, like, finals. And, um... Like, we play that all the time. So there have been situations where it's like, 
he'll be up 2-1 or I'll be up 2-1 or he'll be up 3-0 or, you know, I'll be up 3-1 or it's like 1-1. And, you know, so just to, even though it's a video game, obviously, you're like putting your pressure on yourself with that just because, you know, you want to have that competitive nature and you're playing against, you know, your friend or homie or whatever. Um, like you, you understand what it's like to be down 2-1 and you got to go play on the opposing, the opposing row, like, you got to keep your composure. You got to do everything correctly. You know, you got to lock in. You got to stick to the game plan. So, um, in a very small, small margin, uh, it was kind of cool because I had done a lot of, like, 2K series and stuff. <laughs> I had no idea that 2K could be a really low-stakes dress rehearsal for a championship. If you really love the game, yes, it definitely can. If you love the game of basketball, you can turn that from with with from whatever, anything basketball-related. Man. Okay, I'm gonna tuck that one away. Um, what do you think about individual goals for the season? Um, I know you do a lot of work with Chris DeMarco. He's been your development coach for a long time. He's worked with Clay extensively. Um, going back to your rookie season, which was a tough one for the Warriors overall, it, it had to be difficult for you to be thrown right into the fire. How did Chris DeMarco help you navigate that rookie season? Um, he had worked with and does work with like, you know, so many high profile players, you know, guys who have been there in the organization, you know, guys who were good, guys who um, were hungry, dedicated, um, motivated. So it was just all like, a, like as a rookie, you come in and you want it, you want it all. You want to figure out like what it is, how to be successful right away. You want to go score 20, you want to go play all 48 minutes, right? Um, like realistically, it's not always going to happen. Right? Like it just doesn't pan out that way. So he did a really good job of just kind of like guiding me through the process. You know, you're coming from playing 33 games in college to 82 and then potentially plus some in the playoffs. So like how 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 to stay locked in through an entire season, mm -hmm. things that you want to focus on throughout the course of the season, things you want to focus on during the game. Um, little small things, how how to break up the season, right? So it was just a lot of like fundamental foundational stuff that he just helped me with um, just throughout the course of the entire first rookie season um, that ended up trickling over to like my second year, um, coming up with new ways, new challenges, new things that I wanted to become better at, things I could work on, um, so on and so forth. When it comes to being a rookie and wanting it all right away, 48 minutes, all-star kind of season, um, there's some tough lessons for everybody about patience. I mean, can you get philosophical a little bit? Like, what have you learned about patience in your career? Um, delayed gratification is probably the word that I would use to cover that entire aspect, right? Like, going back to wanting it now, um, wanting to be successful right away. Like, for instance, <clears throat> the back half of my rookie season, I think uh, the last, like, 11 games or 12 games like I really have felt like I was getting the rhythm I was starting to figure out the offense figure out how to play with our players starting to score the ball etc blah 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 but that that work didn't start a couple weeks before it had started like months before like in December in November that I was like all right let's just really focus on this and lock on this so it took a couple months for it to like really come into effect and come in you know to fruition and figure out how to apply it, and then you sit out for six months due to COVID, mm -hmm. right? 
So then you really got to have patience because you don't know when you're going to be back on there, out there on the court with your team. Right. So now I'm just locked in doing the exact same thing, grinding, blah, blah, blah. Like everybody knows that story. We've talked about it so many times, but um, yeah, just, just knowing that the work that you put in, like it will show, just don't know when. So that's where the patience comes in. Like you just got to stick with it. You got to, whatever you're doing, whatever your routine is, just stick with it. Like it will pay off. It's just a matter of like when, and if you can see through that, like everything else to take care of itself. And uh, I feel like if there was anything that I would use around that topic, it take gratification. Okay. Did it ever feel going through these motions every day, like you were beating your head against a wall and asking yourself, what am I doing this for? Uh, what am I doing it for? No. I definitely know what I'm doing it for. It was more so of a, like, like, like when is it going to click? That was my thing. It's almost like the frustration of not being able to solve an equation or something. Like, like you want the answer. Like you, like you just are doing the same thing over and over and over. You're you're trying different things. Um, You're asking questions and you're trying to, you know, figure out what is, what is the answer? And it's like, I know, I know it's coming. At some point, it's coming. At some point, and it does. Until then, like, yeah, it could be frustrating, just yeah. because you know you, depending on who you are, you want to be successful and you want that, right? You want to be good. You want to be great. And, um, after you find it, after you catch that rhythm, that's when you take off. And um, it just it might take some time. It may take longer than others. It may take shorter. So patience. Yeah, I can hear how much you want this. I can hear how much you want to work on your skill to be the good to great kind of player. As you think about the leaps you can continue to make and and get your ceiling even higher, who are you working with to help you in one of those like iron sharpens iron types of ways? Like who, what kind of workouts are you doing and, and how are you elevating your game? Yeah, I've uh, since I was young, I've always taken pride in taking a little bit from a lot because there's always something that you can learn from somebody or someone and you can apply it to whatever it is whether it's work whether it's life whether it's friendship school whatever like there's always something that you can gain from somebody that's informative um it's just a how you apply it to whatever you know you need to you can read a book and you can apply it to who or you could go to the coffee shop ask a question and apply it to your routine every day so just trying to find the little small things because it becomes a competitive advantage in um, today's society, not even only with basketball, but like with whatever you do. And um, I try to just take anything from anybody, something so small, because it could be big to somebody else. And um, I try to take pride in that and having that versatility and um, just challenging myself over the course of however long and applying it and um not settling or getting complacent. And then once I've kind of figured that out, you know, restart a cycle and trying to learn something else. Yeah. I often wonder that how do people who are very good at what they do get even better? I mean, I think about Steph Curry, who is the best, who trains Steph. I I know a little bit, but I don't think I would ever know the full picture. Um, as you look at as you look at Steph and the way that he trains and the way that he devotes himself to his body and conditioning, do you take anything away from from him? I mean, he's he's 34 now. He's definitely stayed in the league for such a long time. It seems like he knows precisely what to do. Does he ever impart some of that wisdom? Everything. 
not everything, obviously, but I want to know everything. And I ask him so many questions. So, so, so many questions all the time, 24-7. And I'm luckily, luckily I'm in a situation where, like, you know, he has taken me under his wing, you know, and, and um, kind of like being his rook, you know, his young guy, um, and kind of being, you know, following in his footsteps is uh is dope because you can kind of tell that he wants to, you know, finally add like finally kind of you know give some of these some of these things away, some things that he can help and ways that he can help and um yeah, I just grill him with questions all the time. <laughs> all right, now I have to do the reporter thing and say, well, what have you asked him lately? What's a takeaway? Can you give an example? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can give him a small one. Like obviously, I know I'm a a good shooter and I have confidence in the way that I am as a shooter and he's the greatest shooter of all time. So if like I go and think not too long ago, probably like a week ago or so, it was a stretch where I just was not making like the volume of threes I wanted to make. And um, I just went over there and I asked him like, like, what is it? Like, what do you do? You know, like, is there anything that you change routine wise, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we had like a good conversation. We tied it up probably for like 15 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. Um, got in the lab, worked on some things. I asked him a couple more questions, and next game I hit seven threes. So, Ooh. or however many that is, <laughs> but just being able to be a part of that and ask him that, and you know, apply it, and uh, just see where his mental is. Um, like that's what I mean, like by having the small stuff to apply not only to uh, your life but hoop as well. And he's in a, a really awesome example. It was seven threes and you stuck your tongue out. Um, and after a game like that, do you give Steph a, a head nod or you say anything? For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. <laughs> All right. There's a very unsexy topic that I want to get to, but it's a part of the game and it's free throws. Okay. Mm. You won the free throw title. Yeah. Have you always been a good free throw shooter? Um. Yeah. I feel like I've always been a pretty good free throw shooter. Uh, compliments of my mother. Um, she told me at a very, very young age, very, very young. She said, how am I missing free throws if there is nobody guarding me at the line? Mm -hmm. And whenever I miss free throws at home, I would have to come and do like 15 push-ups, 10, 15 push-ups. And I was very skinny at the time, so I obviously was not trying to do too many push-ups. And so I had to make my free throws. And was your mom like, like an official coach of yours? Or are you talking about no, backyard driveway stuff? She didn't stuff? really talk about basketball often. Okay. Like she'd go to the tournaments, like she'd obviously be there supporting. Um, she'd help me and, you know, she was extremely supportive. Uh, but like in terms of basketball knowledge and like Lincoln and stuff, like, you know, she never really like talked about it much or like the aspects of the game, like going under the screen or being physical and boxing out. But one thing she mentioned every single time was free throws. And um, <laughs> that credit literally goes all to her. <laughs> you got to remind me, what is your routine? Like, do you stand, do you straddle the nail or do you put a toe to the nail? Uh, I mean, there's have a, you there's ever... a, nail in, a nail in the middle. I go, spin the ball, like I kind of feel it. Uh, my right foot touches the nail, evens myself out, spin, one dribble, spin, shoot so nothing crazy it wasn't always like that but i think i changed a couple years ago yeah i was gonna ask has it always been that fluid have you tinkered with any of it at all yeah i changed a little bit i made it more it used to be three dribbles spin one two and then it was two dribble one two three then it was two dribbles and then i got to the league i just made it one 
Gotcha. What do you think about how long Giannis takes to th- do a free throw? Um, what do I think? <laughs> I mean, I am on the other side of the spectrum in terms of like timing purposes. Like he, he goes up there, he takes his time. I'm going up there like, let's not think too much about it. But I don't know. He's also a different, like, he's way bigger. And like they have bigger hands. So like, the way that they shoot the ball and have to feel for the ball, you know, is like different. I'm a guard. You know, he's really essentially a big man. So, but take as much time as you need. You need ten seconds, but take all ten seconds. Like, who am I to tell seconds. you? They're free. You know what I'm saying? They're free, bro. Like, you need ten seconds, but take take your ten. Hmm. Okay, so Yon- Looney is a point guard, but Giannis is not the biggest point guard you've ever seen. No, there's a difference there. <laughs> Nostalgia, yes. Nostalgia. Okay. Okay. All right. I want to get to a round of would you rather, um, yeah. but I also I, couple, have... I think I got a couple minutes. Okay. Massage. I got to get to it. Uh, okay. 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 Uh, I I do have the awkward task of just following up. Something yeah. awful happened in training camp. It was yeah. Draymond Green punched you. I'm glad yeah. you're physically fine. Um, you mentioned you're physically fine, but I think there's a lot of curiosity, a lot of curiosity about just where you guys are emotionally. How does it feel right now? Um, I mean, it's fine. We're a team, like I said, and we all come in to work every day. Um, and we won a championship last year. These guys have won a championship, and like we know what it takes to win a championship. Um, that's what we do. We play basketball, and I mean, that's pretty much it. There's nothing else to it. We just come in every day, and like we're teammates. So go about go about what we do on the court, and then we'll go about what we do on our extra lives, and you know, just try to win games. Thank you, Jordan. All right, let's get to a a lightning round of would you rather. Okay. Would you rather have a 50-point game or a triple-double? A 50-point game. Okay. Would you rather have an opponent compliment your defense or your handles? Handles. Was that an easy one? Obviously. But you're working on your defense. I mean, what if you no, had yeah, a no, massive sure. block? A lot, yeah. Not a lot of people got handles. So okay. I respect it. <laughs> okay. Would you rather play golf with Steph or have a day on the boat with Clay? Golf with Steph. How good are you? I'm, at golf? I'm, I'm just I'm just not like the biggest water person, so golfing is cool. You get to walk around and stuff, chill. More yeah. relaxed. Okay. So not okay, not a not a water person. Clay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you rather guard Steph or Clay on the three-point line, or try to be the one shooting above them? Shooting above. I've guarded. I've guarded Steph and Clay before, but there's nothing better than making a shot on Steph and Clay. Mm. Okay. Um, would you rather wrestle a Wolverine or a Badger? Ooh. You know why I'm asking I'm gonna, this, right? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say I'd rather wrestle a badger because my loyalty lies with the Wolverines. Yes. Okay. That was a college question. All right. Um, and okay, here's, here's a biggie. Would you rather know for certain that you will win one more championship in your career? Or would you rather have a 15-year career guaranteed with plenty of chances, hopefully, to win a championship? Oh, uh, 15 years for sure. Okay. If you asked me two years ago, though, give me the championship. 
Uh, but because we got a championship last year, I need that, you know, I need the 15 years. So does that give you a sense of peace? Now, because Andre was talking about this for the rookies. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, champs in their rookie season. They know that they have had that thing fulfilled for the rest of their career. What does yeah. that do for a guy to get that so young? Um, that's a good question. Because, like, that's what you play for, is you play for a championship. You go so hard and you go through the entire season for a championship. And when you get it young, like, or early in your career, it's like, you have, you essentially ask yourself the question, like, what's next, right? And like, then, obviously, due to the personnel or the person, the individual, like, they answer that question. But, like, like now you can really just, like, get after it even more, knowing that you know what it feels like to win a championship. You know what it takes to get there, right? Like, you have one. So now, like, you can really lock in on your, like, individual, personal, like, um, you know, game, trying to get better, right? But, like, you've been there before, and, like, you have that feeling of knowing what it takes to get back. It's like the pressure of when the championship kind of comes off your shoulders a little bit, but then like the competitive nature makes you want another one. It's really good balance to have. I know. Is it like a, it's gotta be like a thirst. Okay. I know what it's like. I've got to get another one. Is that, is it never ending that feeling? For sure. (laughs) All right. Last question. What would you do if Steph Curry dunked in a game? (laughs) I'll probably go over there and mess with him. He smacked out. He smacked glass in Sacramento and turned up, so I'm excited to see what he would do in the duck. At 34, Steph Duncan, I got to see it. He does it in warm-ups. I know. He just doesn't do it in a game. Someday. All the running around he does is laser tag. Okay, I got you. Jordan, thank you so much. This was delightful. You're always thoughtful to talk about. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you for having me. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.